And welcome to Refuge. We are uh, excited to be here this morning, and we are testing out this uh, new mic. So, are they both on? All right. Um, <clears throat> that way, I can move around too. This is kind of fancy. No, it's not working. Yeah, we'll get it down. And. Uh, It's these things that we use to further the, uh, the gospel, right? To advance the gospel and to um, really use them as tools. Um, just as we uh, live stream each service, it's not for any other reason but to reach out to those who perhaps can't come to church. Um, their, their health is failing them, and so they, they have to stay at home. Um, and so we, we have the means by which we can bring the gospel to them. We also um, use that to reach out to people in different countries. I know that uh, there are people in Canada and Mexico and parts of South America in Europe that um, tune in and um, they'll check us out on, on our podcast or YouTube. And so that's just a, a means by which we can reach out. To the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, for we are not ashamed of it, right? But we are to proclaim it to the world, and so we do. Um, that's why we're, we're having the, the missions fundraiser today. And uh, so after service, we're, we're going to pray over the food, and we'll open up these back doors right here. Everything is set up behind us, and um, as has already been mentioned, you know, all the proceeds go to directly to the, the missions uh, ministry, uh, which the, the next trip that's coming up is to Mexico. And um, so that's, that's coming up in, what, two months? Month? One month. One month. Wow, one month. And uh, so we have that coming up. But we, we're also looking at other places. Um, for instance, we've gone to Haiti. Um, we're looking at perhaps Romania, Nepal, um, Spain, um, Thailand, we've, we've, uh, we've had people from here go to Thailand as well. So those are some of the things that we have before us. But for now, we're going to preach the gospel here, right? This morning, this is where we're at. We're in Luke chapter 3, by the way. We're in Luke chapter 3. And the, the title of this morning's message, as you turn to Luke chapter 3 is lead others to Christ, speak the truth. And this is perhaps part, part one um, of this, um, this message. I've seen uh, John the Baptist as an example, a very good example, of having the confidence to speak the truth. And so the, the truth is the entirety of God's word. It's the gospel is brought forth from Genesis to Revelation. And so we're going to look to and we're going to be encouraged by a man by the name of John, who was the son of Zechariah, who in the circumstances that he was in could have very, very easily been reserved and drawn back and not proclaim the gospel, and yet that's the very thing that God had called him to do. And so it is for us an encouragement to lead others to Christ, 
by speaking what is truth. Let's begin by reading in Luke chapter 3 and verse 1, which says, In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of Iturea, and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we have seen the salvation of God. Jesus, Emmanuel with us, our Savior, our Lord. Lord, we have been those who have been have surrendered their lives to Jesus as Lord and Savior, have declared him as such, Lord, not because of our works or not because of anything that is offered of us, Lord, but by your grace through faith in him, knowing that he has conquered not only our sin but the grave. He is willing, able, and desiring that we would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That no one perish, but that all reach repentance. Lord, that is the message that the world needs to hear today. The hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. So help us to be bold. Help us to be confident. And declare and tell others, Lord, exactly what we've experienced Salvation in Jesus Christ. Lord John was the forerunner. Lord, and he looked forward to that day. Knowing that he was the one that was to prepare the hearts of people to receive and believe and surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. Lord, but we look back. Lord, that's been accomplished. May we proclaim the truth. That it has all been accomplished. It's all been paid for in full. That we possess in us, Lord, salvation in Jesus Christ alone. And so, Father, I ask, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning. That you would minister to us as only you can. So bless our time in your word, and I pray this in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. amen. You know, as we consider the day in which John was living in, I was drawn to Revelation chapter 21, looking forward to the day that is being prepared for us. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, it says, and he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. 
to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The day in which we are living in is not new. It is not innocent. Far from it, in fact. It is not good. But rather, we need to understand. We need to come to our senses. Understanding that the world is filled with cowards. The world is filled with faithless people. The detestable murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 9, the Apostle Paul writes, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And Jesus, in John sixteen thirty three, said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Listen, the, the, world, the, the Lord is making all things new. And one day we will enjoy that for all eternity, not just for the moment, not just for a season, not just for a year, but for all eternity. We will enjoy that. But for now, we need to live in a careful way, circumspectly, being sober-minded, having a a clear perspective of the day in which we're living in. Because we are living in a wicked world that will be judged. And we need to be realistic about that and discern when the world is doing what the world will do and knowing what the will of God is according to his word. Listen, brothers and sisters, I cannot put it any other way. I wish I could paint a different picture for you, but but I cannot. Because the word of God describes our day in no other way. Therefore, the word of God constrains me, compels me. It does not give me the liberty of painting a different picture for you. If I did, I would be deceiving you. I would be denying you the truth. I would be setting you up for a fall. In fact, I would be leading you down a path of destruction. Or at the very least, in Christ, I would be leading you down a path of distraction. That ultimately will cause you to be ineffective 
toward the things of God. Listen, not only do we live in a fallen world, but we are surrounded with people who are going to hell. And if they don't repent, as you did, if they don't look to Jesus as Lord and Savior, they will, as we read in Revelation 21.8, will experience the second death if they do not look to Jesus as Lord and Savior. John knew this very well. John was bold and confident. He was a man of deep conviction, a man who was immovable. And what we'll see this morning is that not only does John the Baptist prepare people for Jesus, but he also has no fear of speaking the truth as it should be with all who live according to the truth and abide in it. Listen, John's desire was in line with God's desire. That people would repent. That people would come to the understanding of where they stand and where they are going without Jesus and believe that Jesus Christ is their personal Lord. As we were reminded of this morning, as we heard the devotion that was given by Stephen, that, that he is a personal God, one who is powerful enough to save us, and he, Jesus, is the only way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. The most loving thing that you can hear, even if it's a rebuke, is the truth. To hear something that's false, well, that is the most unloving thing that you could hear. Can you imagine telling that to your kids? Just speaking to them whatever it is that they want to hear. They would run the roost, right? They would run the home. They'd be destructive. They would ruin themselves and ruin many other people around them. No, the most loving thing that you can hear is what is true. We ought to remember that God is the God of truth. According to Isaiah 65, 16, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. According to John 14, 17, and also who indwells all believers and leads us into all truth. The entirety of God's word is truth. According to Psalm 119, 160, God delights in truth and all who worship God must do so in spirit and in Truth. He commands us to speak the truth. And Jesus is the word become flesh who dwelt among us and in whom we know salvation. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, that is to doubting Thomas. He was speaking to doubting Thomas, but he was also speaking to all of the disciples that were there. And he speaks the same words to you and I today and to the world. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When you personally walk in the truth, 
and speak the truth, as John spoke the truth, what you are doing is you are preparing others, as John did, to know Jesus, to know salvation, and to walk in the truth, the only way, the only truth, and the only way to eternal life. We begin by pointing out the day in which John the Baptist was living in because it's important for us to understand that you see here in America, we live in great comforts. Oh, if it's too hot, please turn on the AC, turn it down, cool us down. Otherwise, I will be uncomfortable and miserable and my attitude will show it. Oh, I haven't eaten in two hours. I'm getting a little hangry. It's too cold. Turn the heat up. I'm going to I'm going to show you some things here. In the 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 environment in which John the Baptist ministered is truly encouraging. It's also convicting. Verse 1 again says, In the the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of Iturea, and Trachonitis, and Lysanias tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. The word of God amid darkness. Because if we just read through and we just continue on and we read on to verse 3 and verse 4 and we continue on knowing that we have a quote from Isaiah in which John the Baptist fulfilled that prophecy as a forerunner of the Messiah. We miss to acknowledge the environment in which John the Baptist was sent into to prepare people's hearts to receive the Messiah. What we have described here is a specific period of time in history in which John the Baptist lived. And the specific period of time in which Jesus lived and dwelt on the earth. These men, Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, Herod, Philip, and Lysania. These were all political leaders of the larger area that Jesus Jesus had grown up in and served in. Who all serve as evidence of when and where Jesus lived. It's historical. It's factual. It's recorded. We know that these men lived, and we also know some, somewhat of what their character was. Because by listing these people, Luke not only gave us a time and place, but also the overall conditions in which people lived in that day and in that region. Tiberius, to start off with, is a man who was known to be paranoid and cruel. Caesar, he was the emperor. Pontius Pilate, well, he didn't treat the Jews with any favor. 
And in fact, he was known to have been brutal toward them, killing many, and sometimes in large groups. Herod, Philip, and Lysanias were part of Herod the Great's family, to whom the kingdom was given to by Herod the Great, and they were known as being corrupt, immoral, and cruel. They were all about me, myself, and I. All of these were the rulers of the day. Good times. You want to go back to Jesus' time? <laughs> this is what they were exposed to. This is, these are the conditions they lived under. Now, the Roman Empire was corrupt and immoral. Hardly what we would think to be an ideal environment for the Son of God to be born and live and serve the Father. Can you fix everything first, God, and then bring him into a place that's just, just ideal, that everyone will just automatically acknowledge Jesus for who he is? That's not what he sent him into. In fact, it's for this very purpose that Jesus sent him, that the Father sent Jesus, the Son. Sent him into the worst of humanity, just fallen man that all would look to him and know that they are in desperate need of a savior Jesus came to die for the sinner that through him and by him people would know God's grace and the hope of heaven delivering people from eternal condemnation we have the, the political leaders of the time, but we also have these religious leaders, the high priests. So there's two of them. It's believed that Caiaphas was actually the high priest, and Annas was his father-in-law who had great influence over him. And Caiaphas made decisions according to whatever it was that Annas would give him. Nonetheless, there were two that... It's actually not a good thing because according to the word of God, there should have been only one high priest, not two. These two men, well, they were known to be corrupt. Being interested only in the power that came with such a position of authority. You see, in the, in the end, they were there to serve themselves. As the religious leaders of the day, they were there to just serve themselves. They were tied in with the political leaders of the day, and so it was that they would want to please them and be in their good graces. And it was during this time that the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. The word came amid darkness, in the midst of darkness, to overwhelm the darkness and to lead men to the light, to truth, to salvation. In John 1 5, it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The lesson for us as we consider these things do not expect perfection in life or the restoration of our society 
because it will not be accomplished in our strength or because of our efforts or because even we are obedient. We're not promised that. Listen, our our government is corrupt at the highest level. Just, Just a fact. Our leaders, the agencies within, more and more is being, you see, the the truth is being revealed. And it will be. All people, individuals will come to a place of judgment. They will have to answer to one who is in absolute, who possesses absolute authority, who is sovereign over all. The world in which we're living in is is corrupt. Has been corrupt. From the time of Adam. Fallen man. On Monday we observe Memorial Day. Those who are willing to give their lives. So that we would be able to live. In a nation that is free. Living the way we do. Even exercising our form of worship. Without the fear of someone coming through those doors and stopping. Throwing us in jail. Do you want to save our republic? By the way, it's not a democracy. It's, a, it's called a republic. you, you got to know the difference. Okay? Read your history. Make sure you know what that means. You want to save our republic? Then do it one soul at a time. Share Christ with as many people as you can. Listen. Fallen society in America is not the church's fault. And I've heard that. Now, I just want to be very clear with you. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That is the church. So, the true church, the true believers, are continuing to advance the gospel, teach sound doctrine, make disciples, fulfilling the great commission, teaching others to... Observe God's commandments. No fallen society is fallen because it fails to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because it rejects Jesus and therefore remains condemned in its unrepented sin. It remains there. And it's getting worse. In fact, in no section of scripture, and please show me something if I am wrong, that the church is the one that turns everything around. Who makes all things new? The church? No. Who makes all things new? Jesus. Romans chapter 1 verse 18. And here I'll show you. Exactly what we have and we're experiencing today. 
Romans chapter 1 verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. This is, by the way, natural theology. This this is something that is revealed to everyone. Look around you. The world will tell you, oh, this is all by chance. This is all because of millions of years of evolution. And it's still the theory of evolution. It's not factual. You see the evidence of the great architect, the creator of the universe. Natural theology, Romans chapter 1, verse 18, but it goes on. It says, for what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that so they are without excuse for although they knew God they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened claiming to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things therefore because of this as a consequence of the rejection of God. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous degree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. Know the truth. Walk in the truth. Do not deny the truth. Do not stay silent. As we read here, the reasons why God gave them up to their lusts, debased minds, depravity, because they insisted on them. The church is not the Savior. Only Jesus is. The church is simply the bride of Christ. Consisting of the redeemed of God by his grace as we trust in Jesus for salvation. 
that list that I read, and so were some of you, some of us. But God, by his grace, took us out of that. And our response, our proper response to him is to live our lives in such a way that it reflects his truth, his word. We are to serve and worship God, abide in the truth, and look to Jesus, our Lord and Savior, for everything that pertains to life and godliness. You know, the world naturally hates Jesus. The world naturally hates his bride, you and I, the church. The world hates truth. It is opposed to truth. And again, church, we are seeing this. This is now, it seems like Satan has pulled out all the stops. It's in your face. Evil is trying to indoctrinate our kids to undermine truth, to soften them up for the Antichrist. You know, our purpose in life as Christians is to proclaim the gospel and to lead individuals to Jesus Christ in whom they will know a personal reconciliation with the Father by His grace through faith in Jesus Christ and then teach them to be obedient followers of Jesus Christ, I pray, as we are. That's why we need to be mindful of how it is that we are living our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, as His disciples, being content in Him, or looking to something else and someone else. Because listen, one individual salvation has the potential of restoring a marriage. One individual salvation has the potential of raising godly children who love Jesus, who know his salvation, and who serve him. One individual salvation can glorify God by leading others to salvation and a personal reconciliation with the Father. Things change. It's amazing how it is that someone who was like Saul, dead set on persecuting and being opposed to the things of the Savior, Jesus Christ, once he was, came in, into that encounter and was confronted by the Savior, was completely changed. He was a man who was converted and believed and understood that his life was going to hell without Jesus. One person that comes to salvation can lead to the salvation or the life of an unborn child that was perhaps going down a path of abortion. Listen, always remember, the light shines brightest in the darkest of times. Therefore, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Speak the truth, especially in these dark times. Time is short.
Don't try to become everyone's friends either. Because the truth will offend most, but save some. And that is what God desires. The word of God came to John in these difficult times, and he spoke what is true, preparing people for Jesus, whether people agreed with him or not. John was not asking for the approval of man to speak the truth because he was commanded by God to do so. John was not seeking the approval of man to do God's will because God was his Lord and his purpose for living. John did not wait for ideal conditions to exist before doing what God had commanded him to do because he would still be waiting. I read this quote before. And it is true. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. I, I, I hope that you are battle tested. I really do. I, I, I hope that you, brothers and sisters, that you are exposed to as you grow and you mature in Christ, that the Lord, you would realize that those trials and those tribulations are there to serve a purpose in your life. To test and reveal to you where it is exactly that you stand with him. Just how much you do trust in him and you do believe in his word. The times we know today are not easy. But it's in these times and times to come that we will have more men and women who are willing and able to stand up and be counted on. In fact, James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know, just yesterday I, I watched a documentary on the country of Turkey. In Turkey, you have Ephesus, Laodicea, Cappadocia, and you have Antioch near the border of Syria. It was in, I believe, Cappadocia, or Cappadocia as they pronounce it. It's in that place to where they have all these, these, uh, these caves. And there's one area in particular to where in Antioch, where there was a carving into the hill. And this was, as they knew, because of the mosaics and everything that they had on the hill and in this cave that was only 10 by 10, that it was a place of worship for the Christians of the day. 10 by 10. They would go to those places. Why? Because they were under persecution. And nothing was going to stop them from worshiping their God. And so they went to these hills. And they made this area that served them as a sanctuary to go and worship God. There was also this place where it's tunneled. In this tunnel in these rooms, they believe fit up to 5,000 people. 5,000. 5,000 Christians. 
who regardless of the conditions in which they lived in, all banded together, all stayed together to worship God. And God gave them this sanctuary. A place of refuge, of safety, to gather together. No, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Therefore, declare the gospel, declare the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't be weak men. Be strong men. Be men that can be counted upon to lead your family, to lead your marriage, to lead our society, to lead in the place of employment, and to lead in the church. We are in desperate need of men who will rise to the occasion and stand on truth. Well, the people had been waiting for 400 years to hear from God. And he sent John to prepare the people for the Messiah. And John spoke as God gave him something to say in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation so that they may know the one who makes all things straight. We have the way prepared by a voice. Verse 3 says, And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. What is quoted here is a prophecy that had been written by Isaiah, spoken by the prophet Isaiah 700 years earlier. In fact, Isaiah, his name means God is salvation. And this is quoted, and you can read it in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5, regarding, and this was, again, prophesied 700 years earlier, specifically referring to John the Baptist, the son of Zechariah. About John, well, we read that. In Luke chapter 1, verse 80, it says, And the child, that is John, grew and became strong in the spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. He was about the same age as Jesus, just a few months older. And John was born to be the forerunner of Jesus, the Messiah. His whole life was given for his preparation for that very purpose. Why was John's life so important? Because it was John's life that signaled that the Messiah was on the scene. The people should have known as they knew the writings of the prophet Isaiah. John was a man of certainty. He was a man of great conviction. He was hardly a soft man. But rather, again, he was a man of certainty. He was a man of conviction. A very masculine man in every way. I mean, his clothing was nothing you would envy. His diet, well, it consisted of honey and locusts and the things that existed on the earth. And what he was preaching had nothing to do with feelings. Today, a person may feel convicted or sorrow or feel sorrow for their sin, but feelings alone are worthless. Listen to this. Feelings alone are worthless if they are not followed up with action. They're worthless. 
No, the repentance that John was preaching was one that involved a complete change of mind. Not momentary, momentary sorrow over their sin. Because a changed mind will lead to a change of direction. Reflecting personal actions that align with that new mindset that confirms an individual's agreement with God that their previous state of mind was wrong. And was actually opposed to God. Opposed to truth. We know on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit empowered Peter to preach... And he told the people that they had sinned and were responsible. They personally were responsible for crucifying the Messiah. They responded in that moment, being convicted in their hearts. And what they asked what, was, what then shall we do? What, what do we do next? We agree. We confess. And Peter told them. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, he said, let all... It says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? <coughs> and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now, what these people who were before John were doing was a bit different than being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, identifying, as we read there with Peter, identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, being raised to new life. But the initial response is the same. Humility before God. Admitting their sin. And submitting to the authority that only Christ has and his ability to forgive. You see, John's baptism looked forward to the coming of the Messiah, while today's Christian baptism looks back to the finished work of Christ. Again, the death, burial, and resurrection we know in Christ to new life. And so these people that John was baptizing... These people were agreeing that they needed to get right with God. And the baptism was symbolic of being cleansed from sin. It was a great act of humility. Something that was normally done by the Gentiles. As they were proselytized. And they were converted to Judaism. What this was is a preparation of the heart. To acknowledge Jesus and believe in him as Lord and Savior. John was simply preparing them for the Messiah. They were realizing that their, the state of their, their very soul had nothing to do with Roman oppression. Had nothing to do with external circumstances. The greater problem was that their sin separated them from a true and eternal relationship with Jesus, with, with the Father. 
once you as an individual realize that the problem is not everyone else. It's not your circumstances. But in reality, you're the problem. Your own thoughts, your own perspectives. If they are opposed to God. It's in that moment that you're at the point to where you perhaps are finally able to humble yourself before God and be prepared to submit to the salvation and lordship of Jesus Christ. Because until then, you will go nowhere. You'll go around and around in circles, thinking that it's always someone else's fault that you find yourself in the circumstances you're in and don't have the knowledge and wisdom to live life according to truth. That eternal hope and purpose is only known in Jesus Christ. You will, outside of Christ, you will just, you'll go around and around. You'll come back because the things that you're going through and dealing with in life, well, they're not ideal. So you look to something else that perhaps will make life ideal. Whether it be money, whether it be someone else, whether it be possessions, whether it be your job, career, kids, or the moving on of kids. Something, there's something always that you're looking to to help you get to that place of feeling content. Listen, that is only known in Jesus Christ. And what John was declaring was that the Messiah was now on scene. Jesus was walking the earth. The Messianic age was at hand. And it was John's voice that was used to communicate all of this. He was obedient and bold in the assignment given to him by God. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. All flesh will see the salvation of God. But there's also confrontation as we come to a close this morning. Because verse 7 says, And he said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. John was not interested in being popular among the people. John was not speaking to entertain his listeners, obviously. If you, if you want to make friends and influence people, you don't start out by calling them vipers, right? You brood of vipers. John was not focused on satisfying even the needs of his listeners at the expense of truth. John was not charismatic, smooth, gentle. He wasn't a good-looking man who would have been the obvious choice, right, to reach as many people as possible to prepare them for the coming Messiah. God could have used anyone else, perhaps a ruler, perhaps a governor or a tetrarch, or a high priest, but he didn't. He used a man who was prepared, available, and willing to sacrifice his life for the sake of speaking the truth. And he did so. 
It's interesting how John called these men out as spiritual hypocrites who were deceived in their own minds and lacked the understanding necessary to discern what is true. That is what he was telling them. As we read, he called them the brood of vipers. What is that a picture of? Well, they, what he pictured, you brood of vipers, who warned you? When there's a brush fire, what happens is the snakes begin to slither away from the fire. And that's what John saw. And he warned them to not be self-righteous. That their salvation was not automatic just because they were descendants of Abraham. That won't gain you entrance into heaven. And John told them that they were to bear fruit that revealed a genuine heart of repentance. If there is no fruit of repentance, judgment awaits and then eternal fire. John was speaking what was true. And it is still true today. But Jesus judged your sin on the cross. Therefore, you, repent of your sin. Believe in his atoning sacrifice. The Bible says that you will be saved. Your sins will be forgiven. See, John is a great example of a man who was pleasing to the Lord. He spoke truth and prepared people for Christ. Luke chapter 7 verse 24 describes him. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see, a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. That was written by Malachi. And verse 28 says, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Be a man of God. Be a woman of God. To do so means that you speak the truth. And in so doing, you are preparing people for Christ. To do anything else is to lead people into a state of confusion. And perhaps even into a state in which they will not recover and eventually lead to eternal judgment. C.H. Spurgeon said this, quote, I was like a man in a, ba- in a bog. The more he struggles, the more he sinks. No good can result from efforts made apart from faith in Jesus. Close quote. Perhaps you're like that man or woman in a bog. In sand that is sinking, in quicksand, the more you struggle, the more you seem to be dipping down, being enveloped. Be as Peter when he was sinking into the water, 
Just simply cry out to Jesus. Cry out and ask him to save you. He desires to do that very thing. And then trust in him and walk with him. And if necessary, be that singular voice crying in the wilderness of the world, preparing the way of the Lord and pointing them to the only Savior, the only hope, so that they may see the salvation of God and surrender their lives to him. Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the life of John the Baptist who fulfilled his calling to prepare people for the Messiah, the Savior. I ask, Lord, that if there's anyone here who does not know salvation, that today be the day of salvation. Lord, truth is that without Jesus Christ, his Lord and Savior, that the individual is going to hell to eternal condemnation and eventually will be thrown, cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. That is true. And yet you desire that none should perish, but that all reach repentance. And so, Father, I pray that for the one who perhaps has been resisting up until this very moment, Lord, that the kindness that you're extending, the grace that you desire to pour out upon them would be known by them as they confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, repenting of their sin, and cry out to you to save them. So, Father, may you break through hard hearts. And may you show them the way to salvation, which is through Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I pray that you would strengthen the bride of Christ that we would be men and women of great conviction. That we would be men and women who stand in truth, speak the truth, and abide in the truth. That we therefore make the path clear to the Savior, Jesus Christ. I thank you for this time, and we pray this in Jesus' name.